Jumbo fifth graders, how are you doing? Have you been? Welcome back to the Keeping Up with Room 305 podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Dion, podcasting live from my podcasting studio, also known as my kitchen. It's a beautiful day outside, fifth graders. I have been quite busy. As you know, I've been doing a lot of guitar practicing, but I've also taken up the piano. I decided, you know what? I really want to learn how to play the piano. So I've been practicing and trying to figure it out. I know some of you play the piano, and so my hat's off to you because it's hard. One hand is doing one thing, and then the other hand is doing another thing, and I just, it's its hard to do, but I'm getting good. I'm, uh, I've been working on it. And some chords here. So I can, you know, kind of play some things, but I'm going to keep working at it. You know, this is a historic time. We are in the middle of this whole pandemic, right? And it's its a bummer. It stinks. It's rotten. I can't stand it, right? Okay, we got that out of our system. But fifth graders, you know me. I'm always trying to find the positives. I'm always looking for the silver lining. And I think that this is a great opportunity to take on new interests, discover new things. There's so many things you could do. Someday someone's going to say to you, so what did you do during the pandemic when you were at home? And you might say that you took up the piano. Or you might say you took up acting. Or maybe you took up painting, or puzzles, or quilting, or gymnastics, or glass blowing, or bowling, or calligraphy, or hula hooping, or scrapbooking, or reading, or flower arranging, or animation. Maybe you took up candy making, maybe card games, juggling, karate, soap making. Maybe you got really into Reiki. Maybe you got into knitting, coloring, coffee roasting, graphic design, poetry, rapping. Maybe you got into stand-up comedy, crafting, dancing, machining. Maybe you got into welding. Maybe you got into drama, model engineering, yoga, word searches, embroidery. Maybe you got into jigsaw puzzles or ice skating. Ballet? What about... I don't know, there's so many things, right? You could say any of those things. Or I guess you could say, I did nothing. No, hopefully you won't say that. So let's think about this, fifth graders, as a time where we get to explore lots of new things, new hobbies, finding new ways to keep ourselves flexing that brain muscle, moving forward, educating ourselves, really taking the responsibility uh, upon ourselves to engage our minds in meaningful ways. Good luck, fifth graders. And don't forget, this will be over. It will end. This cannot go on forever. We will get back to, you know, mostly the way things were. I know a lot of people are talking in the news about, hey, let's make the new normal better, right? Let's come out of this and make a better world for ourselves. And I'm with those people so, enough about that. Let's move on to, let's put the piano away and move on to our board meeting here at the Dion Corporation. Yes, 
We've been doing a lot of research. We have been doing a lot of research and we have been studying what the new trends are. What are, what are the youth of America into? Or where do we project they're going to be? Because we want to make sure we plan for the future, right? We don't want to present a fad or a fashion, something that's already gone by. Our clientele will say, no, over it, right? We need to think of the future. So we've designed our products. We've come up with an idea. We know what we want to sell to the masses. We've sketched our ideas on paper. We've labeled the ideas. What is the invention that you came up with do? How does it function? What's it for? How can it be used? And maybe by now, you are ready to start thinking about the next few steps. We talked in the last episode about price setting. How much does it cost to build your product? Remember, fifth graders, this is all imaginary. But if you're like me, you're going to try to make it as accurate as possible, right? How much do you think the pieces would cost to build a prototype or a model of your invention? Okay, I came up with the springy boingy, which was just an example. It's a board and a spring, right? How much does a piece of wood cost? How much does a spring cost? I'm going to figure that out. Then I'm going to figure out how much I want to charge the good people of the world to buy my item, right? If it costs $1.15 to make, maybe I want to charge $2 for it, pick up a little bit of a profit. Maybe I go $3, right? It's more of a profit, but what happens as I increase the price? That's right, those competitors swoop in, right? They figure out how to make my invention just a little bit different, of course, because they want to avoid something called copyright. Fifth graders, do you know what copyright is? You don't have to raise your hands, just shout it out. What is copyright? What does it mean to copyright something? Well, an organization or even an individual might take out a patent or a copyright on something they've created. And that makes it so that other people can't come along and just copy the idea and sell it for themselves. That's how you protect your inventions. That's how you protect your ideas. And a lot of people have taken out copyrights, uh, ask Thomas Edison uh, on things, and have really been carefully guarding their inventions and ideas so that nobody else can come along. However, there are loopholes, right? There are companies and businesses and individuals who have found ways to build similar projects or products that are just different enough to avoid copyright. And some of them still go to court. And sometimes one side wins and sometimes the other side wins, right? Whew, it's a mess. But we're not going to worry about that in this project. Fifth graders, you have created something. You've set the price for it. Now, you can check out Google Classroom. You'll find I have, I've made up some questions that can go along with the project, but in reality, you can create your own questions. You can write out and figure out how much it would cost to buy you know, a number of, of your items, 10, 15, 20 of your items. You can figure out how much it would cost to make, how much it would cost to sell. There's a whole lot of things you can do with this project to challenge yourselves. And the great thing about this project is you can do it at your own challenge level. You can make the problems easier if you're practicing. You can make them more challenging if you are looking to go above and beyond and, and um, stretch your thinking. Fifth graders, one of the fun things that we have done in years past is we've actually built models of our inventions. So whether you have some clay or Play-Doh or pipe cleaners, popsicle sticks, really anything, old um, paper towel tubes, <laughs> you name it, anything really works. I'd love to see 
your models. If you can get someone to take a picture or you yourself take a picture uh, and either email it or drop it into your fifth grade folder in Drive and share it with me. I would love, love, love to see your inventions. I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right, fifth graders, good luck. In the next episode, we'll go a little bit above and beyond. We'll start talking about our products and we'll talk about something called grid drawing. All right, let's move on to, well, actually we're gonna stay on math for a little bit. I wanted to share with you some information about space age measures. I find this kind of stuff fascinating. So measuring the earth more than 2000 years ago, the ancient Greeks worked out a way to measure circles and spheres. They divided the circle into 360 parts called degrees. The 360 degrees could also be used to divide spheres. Since the earth is roughly a sphere, the Greeks used degrees to measure it. The Greeks used vertical lines called longitude to mark off equal parts of the earth's surface. We still use lines of longitude today. The line located at zero degrees longitude is called the prime meridian. I'm sure you've heard of that before. Distance is measured east and west of this line. Longitude lines east of the prime meridian are numbered one degree through 179 degrees. Longitude lines west of the prime meridian are also numbered one degrees through 179 degrees. The 180th degree line reached by traveling east or west is exactly opposite the prime meridian. Okay, so the prime meridian is <clears throat> one line through the earth. It'd be like if you imagine if the earth was an orange or an apple. Well, not an apple. An apple is kind of a funny shape. And you cut it in half and then you cut it in half again the other way. The ancient Greeks also drew lines to divide up the earth north and south. These lines are called lines of latitude. Okay, those are the ones that go north to south. Latitude. East-West, longitude. North-South, latitude. Ooh, we'll practice that. Latitude is measured from the equator, or zero degrees. Latitude lines are numbered from the equator to the North Pole from zero through 90. Latitude lines are also numbered from zero degrees through 90 degrees from the equator to the South Pole. Degrees of longitude and latitude are further divided into measures called minutes. Like minutes in an hour, there are 60 minutes in a degree of longitude or latitude. Wow, did you get all that? Go ahead and rewind the podcast and listen to that again if you didn't catch all of that information. It was a lot, but we'll review it. Okay, fifth graders. Let's move on to those biomes. I've seen some of your notes on your biomes, and I must say I've been learning a lot of really interesting things. Pretty neat. Let's look at tundra. Tundra biomes are in the far northern climates, too cold for trees to grow. This region lies on top of a layer of ice that never melts, called permafrost. Not many animals stay for winter in this harsh biome. Lemmings, arctic foxes, wolves, and polar bears are among the few that remain. For a few short months, low-growing tundra plants and flowers bloom. Birds and insects fly about, and herds of moose and caribou come north from the boreal forests to graze. The tundra, kind of cold, kind of lifeless. 
And the opposite of that, of course, is the wonderful coniferous forests. Coniferous forests are made up mostly of cone-bearing trees. They grow better in cooler, drier conditions than do deciduous for forest trees. Coniferous trees are divided into two types, temperate forests and boreal forests. Temperate forests grow in mild climates, usually along coastlines. The giant sequoia trees in the northwest United States grow in temperate forests. Boreal forests cover the northern region of the world, where summer is short and winter is long. Ooh, I won't be going there, fifth graders. Pine, spruce, hemlock, and fir trees thrive in the boreal forest. Moose, elk, and deer are among the animals that wander through. Migratory birds nest and rear young here before traveling south as winter approaches. All right, fifth graders, that does it for a biome today. We've got one more to go. Can you guess which biome it is? Which ones have we already talked about? Which ones do we have left? That's right, tropical forest. All right, fifth graders. We have been reading Dogs Don't Tell Jokes by Lewis Sacker. And in the last chapter, we heard the rumblings and mumblings of a group of students who are up to no good. What are they planning on doing to Gary? And why do you suppose they're doing it? They are planning on humiliating him at the talent show. Fifth graders, what possesses people to want to hurt the feelings of others? Why do you suppose people get it into their heads that to tease someone or to make someone feel badly is a funny joke or entertaining? That's what we have here in these kids who are planning to humiliate Goon or Gary. Although there is one voice of reason, Joe Reed. I don't think so. Um, you know, I don't think we should do that. And so he does have an ally, it seems, in Joe Reed, who suggests, hey, maybe we leave Gary alone. We also read in the chapter previous that Gary spends a lot of time with Angeline and her family, uh, her father and Mr. Bone, a.k.a. Melissa Turbone, who was Gary's fifth grade teacher. Her name, Miss Turbone, sounds a lot like Mr. Bone if you say it quickly. And so that's the joke. Here we go. Chapter 8. Gary lay on the floor and looked up at the faces of W.C. Fields, Woody Allen, Jonathan Winters, Robin Williams, and Whoopi Goldberg. Almost as if he was waiting for one of them to tell him a joke. They didn't say a word. He closed his eyes. Concentrate, he said. Jokes. Funny jokes. Jokes nobody ever heard before. Nothing came to him. He'd never tried to make up jokes before. They always just popped into his head when he was in the middle of talking. He sat up. Okay. Then I'll just have to start talking. He looked around. What should I talk about? I need to stand up to think, he said, as he rose to his feet. I can't make up jokes sitting down, after all. I'm a stand-up comic. He clapped his hands. That's one, he said. Now I'm cooking. He smiled at W.C. Fields. Now I'm cooking. What'd that explorer say after he was captured by cannibals and thrown into a pot of boiling water? Now I'm cooking. He turned to Whoopi Goldberg. 
All right, that wasn't that funny. I admit it, but I'm just getting warmed up. Of course, that's what the explorer said, too. He walked in circles around his room as he continued to talk to himself. Last night, we had fish for dinner. Pause. One, two, three. We fed them worms. He clapped his hands together. My mother made spaghetti for the rest of us. You know the difference between a plate of spaghetti and a plate of worms? Well, you better learn if you're ever invited to our house for dinner. I had bad breath last night. I guess I shouldn't have put so much garlic on my worms. He continued to move around the room. He didn't just walk the floor. He stepped up onto his bed and then over to his chair and up on top of his desk. He opened his closet door then stood behind it so that he was squished between the door and the wall. He closed the door and walked out into the middle of his room again. He didn't seem to be aware that he was doing any of this. His mind was focused on one thing only, making up jokes. His body just moved around on its own, as if separated from his brain. I had bad breath once, when I came to school. Everybody held their noses. Of course, everyone always does that anyway. My breath was so bad, when I said the Pledge of Allegiance, I was arrested for mutilating the flag. I don't know why my breath was so bad. Maybe I shouldn't have eaten a dead skunk for breakfast. You want to know why I ate a dead skunk for breakfast? We were out of pancakes. You want to know why I ate a dead skunk for breakfast? I couldn't wait till lunch. You want to know why I ate a dead skunk for breakfast? Because they make too much noise when they're alive. Did I tell you I had a girlfriend? Sometimes I'm afraid she thinks I'm ugly. She closes her eyes when she kisses me. I know, lots of people close their eyes when they kiss. It's supposed to be romantic. But she also holds her nose. Gary stopped. Would he really be able to talk about kissing a girl up on stage in front of hundreds of people? In front of his parents? Yes, he asserted, like Mr. Bone said. If he was going to do it, then he was going to do it right, 100%. You know how to tell a girl worm from a boy worm? By kissing them, he laughed. He thought that was his funniest joke yet. But then, when he stopped and thought about it, he realized it didn't make any sense. That was all right. He had almost three weeks. His plan was to make up jokes every day this week and the next. Then the third week, he'd pick out his best jokes and put them together so that one segued into another. Then he'd practice over and over again in order to get his timing just right. He continued moving around his room for over an hour, talking to himself, brainstorming, or as he called it, joke-storming. Then he stopped. It was almost as if an alarm clock rang in his head, telling him it was time to quit. You're not funny anymore, it buzzed. That was fine. Maybe he'd be funnier tomorrow, or the next day, or next week. He got out a pad of paper and wrote down what he thought were some of his better jokes. Don't bother your father, said Gary's mother. He had a very difficult day. I'm just going to tell him some of my new jokes, said Gary. I think he'd rather just be left alone. He'll laugh, said Gary. Gary's father, still in his suit and tie, was lying on his back on top of his bed and staring at the television. He had managed to take one off one of his shoes but the other was still on his foot, dangling over the side of the bed so as not to get on the bedspread. Do you want to hear some of the jokes I made up for the talent show? Asked Gary. No. I made them up myself. Don't, don't you want to hear them? Gary, I, I've had a hard day, said his father. I just want to relax. He was watching a situation comedy, but he wasn't laughing. He just lay there, staring blankly at the TV screen while the studio audience cracked up. Gary sat at the foot of the bed and watched a while. 
Somebody got paid a lot of money, he realized, to write the stupid show. He was only a 7th grader, but he figured he could write a show that was a lot funnier than the one his father was watching. His mother stood in the doorway, motioning for him to leave. He turned back to his father. Come on, don't you want to hear the jokes I made up? They're really funny. His father let out a heavy sigh. Leave your father alone, said his mother. Did you hear about the bald eagle who wore a wig? Gary asked him. No, snapped his father. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear any of your jokes right now, okay? Too late. Uh, I already said it, said Gary. That was the whole joke. I don't want to hear it, his father repeated. Do you understand? But I already told it to you. Do you understand? I was only... Your father is very sensitive about his bald spot, said Gary's mother. Gary's father sighed even louder. I am not, he said. He had a bald spot in the back of his head. I just would like some peace and quiet so I can watch television. Is that too much to ask? Can I just go 15 minutes without having to listen to one of your idiotic jokes? All right, said Gary. I won't tell you the joke, even though I already told it to you. Thank you. You're welcome, said Gary. Anytime. Ha, ha, ha. Gary sat in his room. He wished his parents could be more like Abel and Melissa, who appreciated a good joke when they heard one. At least they'd be willing to listen. After he worked two hours making up jokes for the talent show, the most important day of his life. If Abel and Melissa were his parents, he realized that Angeline would be his sister. She was probably more like a sister than a girlfriend anyway. He'd always wished he had a brother or a sister. Actually, he wanted a sister named Sally. Then, he could call her Saloon. Of course, before Abel and Melissa could be his parents, they'd have to get married. That's stupid, he said. They can't be my parents anyway. I already have parents. Unless they got killed in a plane crash or something. <laughs> his father never used to hate jokes. In fact, his father had told him the first joke he ever heard. Gary still had a picture in his mind of himself taking a bath while his father told him a joke. He probably was only three years old. He still remembered the joke. Why the chicken crossed the playground? To get to the other slide. The odd thing was, Gary figured now, as he thought about it, he must have heard that joke before he ever heard the joke about the chicken crossing the road. So it didn't make any sense. But that didn't matter. When he was three, he remembered asking his father to tell him that same joke over and over again for months. There was a knock on the door. Come in, he said. His mother followed his father into the room. Gary didn't look at them. Your father and I have been talking, said his mother. I understand this talent contest means a lot to you, said his father. Gary stared out the window at a streetlight. I'd like to make a suggestion. His father said. How can you make a suggestion? Snapped Gary. You won't even listen to my jokes. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. His father said. I had a tough day. And I just wanted to sit in front of the TV without having to think. Well, if you had listened to one of my jokes, it might have cheered you up. Said Gary. Who knows? You might even have laughed. Some people laugh at jokes, you know. His father smiled. Okay. Tell me the one about the bald eagle who wears a wig. Gary threw up his hands in frustration. That's the joke, he said, trying not to shout. There isn't any more. Oh, said his father. Well, then, how about another one? Gary thought a moment. Why the chicken crossed the playground, he asked. I don't know, his father said, happy to play along. Why? You really don't know? No, Gary shrugged. I don't know either, he said. His father laughed awkwardly, unsure if that was a joke or not. Well, your mother and I have talked it over, he said, and we'd like to offer a suggestion. We'd like you to try to go the next three weeks without telling any 
jokes. Gary looked at them like they were out of their minds. I'm going to be in the town show. I have to make up jokes. We know that, said his mother. Just keep them to yourself. First prize is $100, right? Asked his father. We'll put $100 in your savings account if you can make it until the talent show without telling anyone a joke. Gary laughed. Come on, he said. My jokes aren't that bad, are they? <laughs> I'm, I'm the first stand-up comic who gets paid for not telling a joke. <laughs> Everything you say is a joke, said his mother. It stops being funny after a while. You should want to keep your jokes to yourself anyway, said his father. If you tell someone a joke, he'll tell it to someone else, and pretty soon everyone will know it before you ever get a chance to say it at the talent show. Gary laughed again. I don't have to worry about that, he said. Nobody ever repeats any of my jokes. Ha <laughs> ha. I do, his father said. Really? asked Gary. When? Well, just today, said his father. I have a client who likes to fish, so I asked him, do you know how to keep fish from smelling? Gary smiled. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, he said. Gary's father was a stockbroker. He specialized in something called high-yield mutual funds. He tried to explain the stock market to Gary, but it bored Gary senseless. So, Gary's mother asked impatiently, how do you keep fish from smelling? Cut off their noses, said Gary's father. Gary's mother cracked up. I've told you that joke before, said Gary. You didn't laugh when I said it. She shrugged. Sorry, it's just... I don't know, coming from your father. Did your client laugh? Gary asked his father. Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. Did he buy lots of stock? No, he didn't buy any. But if he laughed, one's got nothing to do with the other, said his father. That's your problem. You seem to think that the way to be successful or the way to make people like you is to tell jokes. But people will like you because of who you are, not for the jokes you tell. But that's who I am, Gary insisted. I tell jokes. No, that's not who you are, said his mother. You tell jokes because you're afraid to let people see who you are. You hide behind a wall of jokes. Not a very strong wall, said Gary. It won't hold up a house. <laughs> when you were little, his mother said, and we'd have company over, everyone would always ask you to tell jokes because you knew so many. Really? asked Gary. I don't remember that. It was cute because you were four years old. But you're not four years old anymore, Gary. You make it sound like... I've got some kind of disease or something. Jokeitis. Haha. <laughs> Just try to go three weeks without telling a joke, said his father. See what happens. And you'll pay me a hundred dollars? That's right. Gary looked at them. In a way, it seemed too good to be true. In another, it made him feel like he'd just eaten a dead skunk. But how would you find out if I told someone a joke at school or someplace? We trust you, his mother said. So do we have a deal? asked his father. Sure, said Gary. I'll get the cards. What? To deal. He laughed like a hyena. All right, fifth graders, we will stop there. What do you think about Gary's parents' deal? Do you think it's a good deal? Do you think Gary can go three weeks without telling a joke? What about some of the things they were saying about him hiding behind a wall of jokes? What does that mean? All right, fifth graders, we'll talk a little bit more about Dogs Don't Tell Jokes in the next episode. I hope you continue to be well as the weather gets warmer. I imagine you're spending lots of time outside. That's great. Until next time, this is Mr. Dion signing off. Be well, fifth graders.